Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I love that portion of that movie because it reminds me that I'm not always going to be here. And that God has placed something for me to do here. And the cool thing is, is he's placed something for you to do here too. You know, traditionally today, what we talk about is we talk about Jesus' triumphal entry into the city. It's Palm Sunday. And when he entered into the city, they had waved palm branches. The ironic thing is a lot of the people that wave the palm branches are the same people that will be waving crucify him just five or six days later. It was Jesus' triumphal entry into the city. And so instead of doing that today, I thought what we would do is something a little bit different. I thought we would take a look at Jesus' last week and what it was that Jesus focused on the last week he lived. And I thought we would do that by looking at ourselves. And so I want to ask you this question. All right, now a lot of people get uncomfortable when I ask questions like this, but I want to ask you this question because so many times we don't take the time to stop and think and realize and appreciate and love and cherish and take in everything that we have in our lives. My question for you is this. If you knew that you only had one week to live, how would you live it? If you knew you had one week to live, how would you live it? In the last couple of weeks, I've had a series of godly, godly people who have either passed away or have come close to passing away. The first person is, is a godly, godly man. As a matter of fact, I went and saw him yesterday. Uh, and we prayed for him here. Mr. David Daniels is who we prayed for. And he had nine blockages, all right? nine blockages. He ended up doing so well, all right? They, it was a long surgery, but they took care of him. But I sat with him before the surgery, all right? And I looked at him, and I saw two things in his eyes. I saw peace and a little bit of fear. And I looked at him, and I said, Mr. David, I said, we're going to be here for you when you wake up. And I looked at him real close, and I said, Mr. David, you are going to wake up. As we were in Texas, I heard of another godly man who's lived his life the right way. His name is Joe, and Joe is actually in the hospital. I hadn't gotten an update on him this morning, but he's, he's been in the hospital. And he's going to be a long way. Listen, this guy would do anything for the church that I attended before. He would do anything for that church. He would show up on a weekly basis like it was his weekly job, and he was just volunteering and he went on and on and on and on, and it never ended. And if you could, if he could tell you right now, he'd probably say, "Hey, just let me get out of here. I've got, more, I got some more things I got to take care of. There's a leaky pipe on the second floor. There's, there's, there's some things that need to be taken care of on the lawn. There's some things that need to happen." And I talked to you guys about about my friend Chris who passed away. You know, Wendy and I went to his funeral a couple of weeks ago, and it's the most amazing thing because. 
literally the service was filled with people from all walks of life, from all over the country that had come in. People that were high up in his denomination actually came in to celebrate his life. Why is that? Because all he did was love others and do for others and love God. It's amazing. There's a, some, there's, a, there's a theme that goes along here because the most amazing thing is this. Every morning when I would walk into work, and I'd forgotten this until the service. Every morning when I would walk into work, I would walk into work and I would walk in to check my mailbox. And as I'm walking by to check my mailbox, Chris's office was to the right. And I walked in. Do you know what Chris was doing literally every morning? Sitting there in his office. He wasn't on Facebook, all right? He wasn't tweeting anything, okay? He wasn't reading a magazine. He literally was sitting there with his, the Bible open and he was studying. That's what he was doing. And what I got to see at the funeral is this. I got to see... Person after person after person after person who gave testimony for what a life looks like when you seek God first. What a life looks like when you take the words of the text and apply them to your life and you allow God to use you for His glory. My question to you today is this. What would you do if you knew you only had one week to live. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Jesus, actually, a lot of people think that Jesus came and he went into Jerusalem triumphantly and he stayed there and there's highlights here and there. It's not what Jesus did at all, actually. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus actually camped outside of the city in a town called Bethany. All right? He camped outside of the city in a town called Bethany. And so here's what you see. What you see in the text is this. You see Jesus coming into the town of Bethany and staying with friends. And the next morning he woke up and that's when he did his triumphal entrance. He went into the town. He would do the ministry and he would come back to Bethany. And then he would go into the town the next day and he would come back. And then he would go into the town, and then he would come back. And then he would go into the town and come back. The first thing we can say about Jesus' last life is he drew near to those that meant the most to him. I want you to hear that. Jesus drew near to those that meant the most. We have a text in John chapter 12. It says this, and we know this. I think we have that up here. John chapter 12 says, Six days before the Passover, this would be Saturday night, Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus uh, arrived in Bethany, the home of who? Lazarus. And they make it a point. John makes it a point here. I want you to know that John doesn't put anything in his... John was the last gospel to be written many years after all the other gospels. John had seen everything everyone had said. He had read every story. He had read every account. He was there in person, but he knew what everyone else said. And John didn't put things into his gospel just because. He wanted to make it a point. The man he had raised from the dead. Now, why would he make that point? He'd make that point because he wanted you to know this was someone who was close to Jesus. There's another time in the text where it says this. It says that Jesus, that Jesus had dinner in Bethany one night with a leper. 
Now, let me say something to you. The leper couldn't have been there had he not been healed. He would have been an outcast. What did Jesus do? I'll tell you what Jesus did. He drew near to those who meant the most. You know, one of the things I love doing is this. I love spending time with my brothers, with my two brothers. I cherish those times. Why is that? Well, because they, they've had a lot of the same experiences that I've had. They've had a lot of the same things that I've went through, they went through. They experienced the same upbringing, all right? They lived in the trailer with me, all right? They lived there with me whenever I was there, and they were a little bit older, and they used to thump me on the head and, you know, give me noogies and spray water on me and all that kind of stuff. They lived that same life. They experienced my mom and my dad just like I did. They experienced the town, the schools. They experienced everything. I was close to them, and I love hanging out with them because we tell story after story after story, and there's a kinship and there's a bond. I love hanging out with my brothers. Now, let me say something to you. I know. I know that not everybody has that experience, all right? And i, I got to be honest with you. I don't know how we kind of fell into it because I didn't really like my brothers when I was younger. But somehow we kind of grew up and grew brains and kind of fell into it. But I love hanging out with them. Every time Father's Day rolls around, usually what I would do is, is I would leave church and I'd go straight to Tennessee and hang out with my brothers. My birthday, that's usually what I want for my birthday. I don't want a gift. I want to go hang out with my brothers. That's what I want to do. Why is that? Well, because they're the ones that mean the most to me. It's funny, the other day we were in Waco at the silos just hanging out with Joanne and Chip, you know what I mean? And do a little fixer-upper. We were at the silo. We had a, we had a hotel. It was so cool, you guys. We got so blessed. We had a hotel, and I opened the windows, and the silos were right there. It was crazy. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, you can be envious. It was awesome. Anyway, I only drove 14 hours to get there. But anyway, uh, so, but we were at the silos, and, and, and what we did is we did the godly thing. Wendy was with her sisters, and so Blake and I got our own hotel room, and they had their own hotel room, and it was right beside us. And it was funny because about 11 o'clock at night, I was getting ready to go to bed, and I laid in bed, and Blake was in bed. Everything was silent. Blake was already asleep. And all I heard from next door was laughter and stories being told and laughter. And I'm talking about loud over and over and over again. And I didn't know whether to tell them to shut up or to, I didn't know what to do. I was like, no, they're having a great time. I'm going to let them do what they do. Can I tell you something? I don't know about you, but those that God puts around me and those that truly love me unconditionally, can I tell you something? I find strength from them. I do. That's exactly what Jesus did, too. Jesus found strength from those that loved him the most. He found strength from Lazarus. We see Mary and Martha as well. As a matter of fact, we see a scene where Mary actually takes oil and anoints him for burial. She, she has heard what he said about his death coming up. And she anoints him right there in Bethany, right before he goes into the city. That's who he hung out with. You know what we do most of the time with people that are closest to us? We take them for granted. We do. We take them for granted. We think they're always going to be there. We think they're always going to be with us. We take those people for granted. But see, Jesus didn't do that. He didn't. Let me tell you what else he didn't do. He didn't major on the minors that last week. He didn't nitpick every little thing. He didn't argue and complain and on and on. He didn't do any of that stuff. You know what he did? He cherished those people that meant the most to him. I want to tell you something. The people that are sitting next to you right now, 
more than likely, they're a gift from God. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the people that are sitting next to you right now more than likely are a gift from God? Do you realize all the things that they put up with from you? Do you realize how much? I want you to think about this for a second. If you've got a spouse or, or, or kids or, or a mom and dad here, whatever, listen, think about how your life would have been had they never entered the picture, all right? I tell people this all the time. If Wendy wasn't coming to my life, and if I hadn't out given my life to Christ, I'm going to tell you what, I'd be a three-time divorced alcoholic looking for a fourth wife and another drink. That's what I'd be. That's what I would be. There's no question at all. There's no question at all. As a matter of fact, is, had it not been for a lot of the people that came into my life, all right, I would have never given my life to Christ at all. That would have never happened. That would have never happened. The people sitting next to you, the co-workers that you have, probably are a gift from God. Your family is a gift from God. I want to tell you what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, get out of my way. I, I, I'm on task here, all right? I've got to go and take care of everything I've got to do. I've got to make sure that everything is set up exactly the way God wants it. So he was on mission. Jesus lived on mission, but he never forgot the people that surrounded him. I want you to hear that. He never forgot the people that surrounded him. He never forgot the people that walked with him the whole time. He never forgot the people that stood by him. He never forgot those people. And the last week, one of the first things that he made sure he did is he drew near to those that meant the most to him because that is where he got his strength. That's where he got his strength. What else did he do? Well, he did other things as well. The second thing he did is he reflected God to other people. It's so cool. In Matthew chapter 22, let's pull that up. Matthew chapter 22. This is a great text. It says this. It says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. Here's what it does. Now, this is three days before he dies. I want you to hear that. Three days. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. And you guys have read this. You've heard this. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And here's what he says. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. We see another time in Mark chapter 12 where he does this. Let's take a look at verses 41. It says, Jesus sat near the collection box. Now, I want you to understand, this is three days before he died. Jesus, you'll see Jesus in the temple a lot that last week. He went to the temple, and all of his disciples were sitting around, and he was sitting on purpose near the collection box. And this is what he says. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Go ahead. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. What did Jesus try to do here? Let me tell you what he tried to do. 
He tried to reflect God to other people. At no time at the end of the last week did he ever stop focusing not on himself. He kept reflecting everything back to God. And he kept pointing out person after person and situation after situation. And situation one, two, three, look throughout the text, you'll see all that week, all he did is reflect others to God. Whenever I went to the funeral of Chris, uh, they, had a, they had the casket in front and they had a quilt that was made. And you know what the quilt was? The quilt was 30 t-shirts, 30 t-shirts that had been made into a quilt. They were going to give him that for his retirement in September. 30 t-shirts. You know what those 30 t-shirts were? Those 30 t-shirts were the shirts that he had made from the first mission trip to the last mission trip that he took that church on. 30 mission trips he took. Usually 50, 60, 70 people he took. 30 mission trips. 30 huge, long mission trips that he took those people on. I went on several of those mission trips, and all Chris did is reflect God back to others. He went into, he went into literally to poverty-stricken neighborhoods over and over, gang-ridden neighborhoods. I know he went to West Memphis one year in a gang-ridden neighborhood. He went right in and started ministering to those people. And they did backyard Bible clubs. Chris wouldn't go in anywhere and just do a backyard Bible club. He said, hey, listen, whenever we leave, I want to make sure that I see something standing. So he would always do some kind of project for someone. Most of the time it's for a church. Sometimes it was for other people. A couple of years ago in Coleman, Alabama, when the, when the tornadoes ripped through, you know what Chris did? Chris said, let's scratch our other plans. We're going to go to Coleman. It's close. We're going to go to Coleman. We're going to work for a full week. And I watched the 75 people one by one, door by door, ministered to and took brush and leaves and helped people with their homes over and over. All he did was reflect God to other people. And that's all Jesus did too. All he did was show other people who God was. I want to tell you something. I don't know if you realize this, but in the Old Testament, the Israelite people were the chosen people of God. I don't know if you've ever wondered why they were called the chosen people of God. Well, let me tell you why. They were chosen to bring forth the Messiah. That's what they were chosen for. God chose this group of people to finish out his final plan for our lives, and that is to bring forth. You ever wonder why Jesus, why God was so particular about how the people of Israel was treated? You ever wondered why God was so particular about how they went, where they went, who protected them, who guided them, who directed them? You ever wonder why he was so bothered whenever they, did, where they weren't obedient? It wasn't because God just wanted to get mad. It was because he had chosen these people through the line of David to bring forth the Messiah. When Solomon, David's son, whenever he began to build the temple, and he began to build these great structures all over the holy city, you know what he did that for? He did that so people all over the world would see the goodness of God. You see, God had chosen these people in Israel. He had chosen them to to let people see and let them reflect the goodness of God and who God was. That's what their job was. Can I tell you something? In the New Testament, the scripture says this. It says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit lives within us. That Holy Spirit no longer dwells in some building or some tabernacle. It says we are the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. 
And our job, just like those in the past, our job still remains the same as was the Israelites. You know what it was? Is to reflect who Christ is. That's what our job is. And that's what Jesus did the last week. All he did the whole week is point everything back to the Father. All he did, whenever he told them, hey, listen, you know what the number one command is? Is to love God. And you know what the second one is? To love other people. Now, why would he tell them that? You know why he would tell them that? Because that's exactly who God is. The most important thing is to love God, have a relationship with God. And the second most important thing, and it's very close to it, is to love other people the same way that God loves people. Let me ask you a question. If you had one week to live, how would you live your life? If you had one week to live, would you reflect God? Would you be more grateful for what God's done? Would you see the goodness that God has surrounded you with? Would you stop worrying about getting ahead or getting stuff? Would you stop worrying about whether or not so-and-so made you mad? How would you act? How would you respond to people if you had one week to live? Would you draw close to those that have given you strength? Would you draw close to those friends and family that that you're close to? Would you draw close to them? Would you bring them in? Would you reflect God in other people? Would you reflect God to other people? Would you reflect God to those people at work? Would you reflect God to those people in your home, maybe even in the hospital? If you had one week to live, how would you live? The final thing Jesus did was this, is he loved and served others unconditionally. He loved and served others unconditionally. There's a cool setting. It's the coolest setting it's the neatest thing he did. He did it literally hours before he was going to die. And it's found in John chapter 13. John chapter 13 said this. It says, before the Passover celebration, right before they ate the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. I don't want you to miss that. It says this, it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And look how he responded. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. I want to pause right there. Let's go back to verse three. I want you to catch this. I want you to get this. The majority of the time when anyone gives you power over anything, you know what the first thing you want to do is? Use it. That's the first thing we try to do is use it. But I want want you to catch what Jesus did. It says that he knew that he had been given authority over everything. And let's go to verse 4. It says, so he got up from the table. Remember, he had been given authority. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into the basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel that he had around him. Now, a lot of us here don't like feet. All right? I'm told all the time I have ugly feet. I think I have pretty feet. My wife even says, you got ugly feet. I'm like, why is it ugly? I mean, they're all kind of, they look pretty nice. No, your second toe's all jacked up. And I mean, she tells me all the time, you know, no, no, you got ugly feet. So, but, uh, I don't care. I'm wearing flip-flops anyway. So, but, uh, but a lot of people don't like feet. We bathe every day. I got on clothes, those shoes a day. Some of y'all have on tennis shoes. We got socks. We got odor eaters that we put in our shoes. Let me tell you guys something. Our feet, they're not the feet that Jesus washed. I want you to catch that. 
all right? If you've ever been to a, to a third world country, you know, when we went to Haiti, for those people that went to Haiti with us, you know the kind of feet that Jesus washed. Crusty, cracking, what no lotion around. What no, uh, I don't know what Wendy calls that stuff she gets. I don't know, but it like makes your feet feel like butter. <laughs> anyway, um, but there wasn't no lotion or anything like that. Uh-uh, no. And what they would do is they would travel from place to place, and the first thing they would do, the first thing they would do, is they would wash their feet and they would wash their hands with this huge basin of water. On a side note, when Jesus changed water to wine, that's the basin that he used to change water to wine. The old, nasty, dirty us changed to beautiful wine. That's what he used. But Jesus is at the Last Supper, and he's going to wash their feet. He had all power. He, had, he could do whatever he wanted to do. And what did he do? He served other people. When I worked at... Uh, when I worked at a place called Youth Town, there was a lady there named Sarah Kimes. Sarah Kimes actually got lucky somehow, and, and a, a news story was picked up about Sarah Kimes. Uh, Sarah, for 40 years, made coconut cakes and sold them to place after place and person after person. She did that year after year, and she took every penny from those cakes and donated them to the children's and the orphans at Youth Town. Her name is Sarah Kimes. As a matter of fact, she was in the Jackson Sun, which is the name of the newspaper, and a Los Angeles newspaper picked up the story on Sarah Kimes. She had donated well over $200,000 to Youth Town. All she did every day is get up, she'd make a coconut cake and go sell it. That's what she did. And every Christmas, she would donate usually five to $10,000. That's what she did. This is the cool part of the story. Jay Leno saw the story, and their representatives contacted Sarah and wanted her to be on the Jay Leno show. You know what kind of person Sarah Kimes is? Let me tell you what kind of person she is. Her husband had fallen sick and was unable to fly. Now, a lot of us would say, well, listen, I'm going to get somebody to take care of you. I'm going to go be on the show because, hey, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Not Sarah. You know what Sarah said? She said, I want you to know something. She said, I appreciate your offering. And, and the people were shocked. I appreciate you offering, but my husband is sick, and he can't fly right now. And he's the one that used to drive me around to go and sell these cakes. So he's just as much of this as I am. And if he can't be on the show, then I don't want to be on the show. The producer's like, oh, you know, no, no, we really want you on. You don't understand. This is a once. No, I'm sorry. If he can't be on, I don't want to be on. Well over $200,000. All she did is serve. I don't know if you saw it in the newspaper the other day, but a couple of weeks ago there was a guy. There was a guy that collected cans. And he's been doing so for nearly 50 years for the Georgia Baptist Children's Home for the orphans and for the kids, teenagers at the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. $400,000 he had donated. 
to the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. And all he did is walk along the side of the roads and collect cans and sell them and pocket them, and he would give them the money at the end of the year. 400000 almost a half a million dollars. He served other people. Can I tell you guys something? I've never regretted going past what was expected. Never. I've never regretted serving other people. Never. I've ne- I haven't had a time when I was like, man, I wish I wouldn't have took on that dinner. it. Yeah, man. I wish I wouldn't have done. I wish I wouldn't have went and saw them. Gosh. I wish I wouldn't have went to that doggone hospital. Man, I wish I wouldn't have went over and talked to that neighbor and given them a pie. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have went down to, to bridging the gap and helped those people out. Gosh, I wish I, I've never regretted doing that. Can I tell you guys something? I've never regretted giving more and keeping less. I've never regretted that. I've never regretted any time when I've, when I've given more and kept less. I've never had a regret about that. Ever, 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 ever. I've never regretted choosing others in front of myself. I've never regretted that. When I've chose others in front of myself, I've never had a regret. There hasn't been any kind of weight that's been on me when I've done that. I've never regretted loving others in a huge way, in a big way, in a big old fat obnoxious way. I've never had a regret about that. I never have. I've never regretted going last in anything, all right? I've never, I I may have regretted going last whenever we had a dinner here and all the children ate the chicken nuggets. But besides that, I've never regretted going last and letting other ghosts perform. I've never, ever regretted that. I've never regretted decreasing so that God could increase. I've never regretted that. I've never regretted decreasing so that God could increase. Can I tell you something? It's never, ever, ever happened. It's never happened. How would you live your life if you had one week to live? How would you live your life? If you had one week to live, you know, whether you have one week to live or you have 50 years to live or 70 or 80 or 90, I have no idea. I'll tell you this, and this is truth. We need to live our life every day like we have one week to live. We need to draw near to those that mean the most to us and love and appreciate them. We need to make sure that we, <clears throat> that we reflect God to other people as we walk throughout our lives. And we need to make sure that we love and serve people unconditionally. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter if you've got one day to live. I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter if you've got 100 years to live. That's the way God would want you to live. He set the example for us for his whole life. He set the example for us on the last week. And that's what I think he'd want you to hear today. All he wants you to do is to draw near to those that mean the most. To serve people unconditionally and to reflect who he is. And that's what I believe God wants for us. For you and for me. Let's pray. Lord, I love the fact that you love me enough to mold and shape me, even though oftentimes I'm a failure, even though oftentimes I am someone who, who simply um, doesn't listen, doesn't always want to do what you want him to do. But God, you're patient, you love me, you accept me anyway. Lord, I ask that today that we could be people that literally take in and breathe out every moment and 
we don't let the day pass where we're just going through life. Yeah, just another day. Got to go to work. Got to grab groceries. Got to, Lord, let us see it as a privilege. Let us live today like we only had one week to live. Let us reflect you. Let us love those and pull close to those that are closest to us. Appreciate the family and the friends that you brought us. God, the amazing thing is, is even if our family is all jacked up, Lord, you bring friends around us that are like our brothers and our sisters and our moms and our dads. You've done it for my life, and I know you've done it for others. And God, let us be people that serve, unconditionally serve. Let us be like the guy at the children's home and Sarah Kimes who all they do is just get up and do what they do to help other people. Let us reflect you in a way, God, that people are overwhelmed and will continue to come and hear the goodness of what you have for us. Lord, the only way we can do that is fully surrender to you. In Jesus' name, let us do that. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.